I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Daily Treasure Podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And we are continuing in our pilgrimage fueled by hope, and we are looking at the life of Jehoshaphat, who is so like us in so many ways. And we can learn so much from his life about what it means to fall more in love with Jesus and to become one with our Father. And so today's devotional is called, I Can Tell Him Only What My God Says. And today's treasure is from Second Chronicles 18, verse 13. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. Ahab took the throne of Israel after the death of his father Omri, a very evil, despicably evil man. His rule began during the last years of the reign of King Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. It was no secret that King Ahab followed in the steps of his horrifically evil father and forged his own path with behavior despised by God, as we read in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 30-33. through 33. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. And listen, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Have you ever made such a foolish mistake that someone incredulously asked, what were you thinking? If so, what was your response? Maybe you have asked yourself that question. We wish we could ask King Jehoshaphat, what were you thinking? in light of God's blessings and his warnings not to make alliances with God's enemies, it's not hard to imagine him shaking his head in wonder at his own stupidity. He truly made a deal with the devil. But before we judge this king too harshly, dangerous times and fear sometimes lead us to forget God's past faithfulness and tempt us to go outside of God's word to fix things on our own. It's in those times that we need people ahead of us in life's journey to remind us that God did it before, he'll do it again. After a long day of testing and doctor's appointments, I turned my face toward the car window and tried to hide the tears streaming down my cheeks. I was 39 years old, mother of four young children, and diagnosed with advanced breast cancer. Chuck pulled on my hand and said, out with it. What is your greatest worry? I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Doesn't anyone understand? I feel fine. I don't want surgery. I'm terrified of chemotherapy. What if I die? What if it doesn't work? Chuck responded by taking me on a trip down memory lane. Remember when we didn't know how we would get through the last week of the month because we had no money? What did God do then? Remember when people we loved and trusted turned on us with vitriol? What did God do then? Remember when? Each memory reminded me that God had never left us without a way forward. He always met us in the darkest places. While those incidences paled in contrast to a breast cancer diagnosis, Chuck was reminding me 
He did it before. He'll do it again. His words soothed me, and the tears slowed as I remembered God's presence and power to bring beauty from brokenness. God sent a messenger to Jehoshaphat with a similar message, but to no avail. Jehoshaphat should have known that an alliance with evil King Ahab would not lead to better protection than God's. When Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to join him in battle against Ramoth-Gilead, Jehoshaphat agrees to do so, but wants to hear from God's prophets first. Ahab immediately asked 400 men if God would bless this battle, and to a man, they declared that God would give it into the king's hands. Clearly, Jehoshaphat detects that these men respond in fear to Ahab, so he asks for a prophet of the Lord. Ahab's response is almost comical. Jehoshaphat should have pulled up stakes and run back to Judah when Ahab told him there was one man they could ask, but that Ahab hated him because, quote, he never prophesies anything good about me. Jehoshaphat, probably trying to show that he really wanted to know God's word on this battle, insists on hearing from this prophet who refused to bow to the king's wishes. Ahab sends for Micaiah the only prophet who stood for God's truth. The man who brings Micaiah to the kings warns the prophet that he better toe the party line, that 400 prophets have already promised victory to the king. But Micaiah declares, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. Micaiah warns the kings that this battle will end in disaster for them, and for his honesty, Ahab imprisons him. Instead of rethinking his sinful alliance with Ahab, Jehoshaphat has moved from complete dependence on God to lead and protect him to rationalize an alliance with a man known for his utter contempt for Jehovah. Micaiah's warning was a grace gift from God, giving him one more opportunity to repent of depending on his own wisdom rather than God's. Instead of remembering God's past faithfulness and trusting him to do it again, He tries to mix a little bit of dependence on God with a heap of dependence on his own wisdom and an evil alliance. They go into battle with Micaiah's warning ringing in their ears. Once more, we have to ask, Jehoshaphat, what were you thinking? Are you starting to see shadows of your own life in Jehoshaphat's? Are you the one asking yourself with disbelief, what was I thinking? How could I have crossed that line, broken that friendship with gossip, stolen from my boss, torn apart my child's heart with angry screams, hurt my husband by telling him no again and again, or refused to listen to my mentor who tried to help me love my husband and parent my child? I don't know about you, but unexpected crises are not the only cause of ruts and pits along my pilgrimage. My sin takes me on detours I never imagined and caused me to ask with disbelief, Sharon, what were you thinking? This is where we see Jesus in the story of Jehoshaphat. As a popular song goes, God's mercy never gives up on me. And, O Lord, if a man so blessed by you could make such a foolish decision, it's likely we can and have, too. What are we thinking when we turn our back on your grace, when our sin takes a messy detour in our pilgrimage toward home? 
Our only hope is your grace that never gives up on your children. I hope that you are really experiencing aha moments as we walk with Jehoshaphat on this pilgrimage fueled by hope. And I'm praying for you every time that I prepare a devotional, whether it is one that I've written or one by one of our guest writers, that you will experience grace through his word, through God's word. He takes our little offerings and he just transforms them into little sticks of dynamite designed to explode with hope in the hearts of others. And that's our prayer for each person who stumbles across uh, Daily Treasure. And I hope that you are sharing these devotionals with others. I hope that you leave a rating. The only way that people are going to learn about Daily Treasure is through you. And so each day I'm asking that you will share this with another person throughout the year as you share, they will share with others. And there's an ever widening circle of offering the help and hope of Jesus through Daily Treasure. Today, I wanna introduce to you our help and hope guests for this week. They are two women that I wish were my neighbors, Catherine March and Pam Ferris. Our topic on the Help and Hope podcast is grandparenting. And even more specifically, the prayers of a grandmother. Kathy and Pam talked to me about the role of a grandmother in the lives of their grandchildren, how we can pass on a legacy of faith, We talk about what if uh, a grandmother is estranged from her grandchildren, or maybe they don't seem interested in having a relationship with her. What are some practical ways a grandmother can stay connected and intentionally pursue a friendship with her grands? And what should she do if they don't respond to her efforts? I I know that probably every grandmother, uh, almost every grandmother has experienced these kinds of challenges. Well, how about guilt over not investing in her grandchildren when she sees her friends enjoying their grandchildren so much and she knows that she didn't really enjoy hers? Is it too late? Is it too late for her to have a relationship? And what about the power of prayer? The reason why I invited Kathy and Pam to join me on the Help and Hope podcast is because they wrote a book called My Grandmother is Praying for Me. And it is a 365-day devotional where they have designed prayers specifically rooted in Proverbs and about different character qualities. And I was really intrigued by the work that they put into this along with a friend. They include so many good ideas for connecting with grandchildren. And I thought I wanna talk to them about their passion for grandmothers to understand what it means to be a praying grandmother. And so you can go to helpandhopenow.org and click the Help and Hope link and look for my conversation with Kathy March and Pam Ferris. My grandmother is praying for me. Thanks so much for joining us, and I look forward to being with you tomorrow.